And good afternoon. You're listening to Ken Hudnall. This is the Ken Hudnall Show. Coming to you from our studios right here in exciting El Paso, Texas. Gateway to the Old West and the most haunted city in the country. Well, today is January the 6th, 2023. It is the sixth day of the year. And 359 days remain till the year's over with. Today's uh, interesting anniversary. On January 6, 2021, following the uh, election of uh, His Highness Joe Biden, President Trump supposedly organized and led an attack on the Capitol by a mob of his supporters. They were seeking to keep Trump in power by preventing a joint session of Congress from uh, counting the Electoral College votes to formalize the victory of Biden. Though it's now come out that there was a lot of shenanigans that went on in the, uh, the election. But of course, we're not going to look at that because after all, Biden's a wonderful guy. According to the House Select Committee, Schiff's uh, bailiwick, They've spent millions of dollars trying to prove that Trump actually led it, even though he was sitting in his car at the time. Um, They've had people testify that somebody told somebody who told them that Trump was giving orders and doing this and that and the other. The bottom line is Schiff and his cronies are trying to make sure that Trump can never run for office again. Um... After the brilliant showing of this current administration, they are concerned that Trump could be reelected, in which case his conservative policies would be put back into place, and uh, they wouldn't have a, uh, the free reign to raid the uh, governmental piggy bank. Uh, thousands of Trump supporters gathered in Washington January 5th and 6th to support his claim that uh, the elections were stolen by a bold and radical left Democrats. And uh, allegedly, he wanted uh, Vice President Pence and Congress to reject Biden's victory. Now, there's never been any proof that Trump had anything to do with it. But that hasn't stopped um, Schumer and Schiff and Pelosi and that entire crew from uh, using the... uh, platform that uh, their elected office has given them to uh, crucify the man. Uh, more than 2,000 rioters entered uh, the Capitol, and they occupied, vandalized, and looted, and assaulted the Capitol police and reporters, and attempted to locate lawmakers to uh, supposedly do harm to them. Um, I mean, AOC has had many a meal um, as people listen to a bated breath and her talking about hiding from the the attackers. The, um, you know, at the end of the day, there's never been any proof of anything that Trump had to do with it other than third-hand accounts that in the court of law would be called hearsay, 
But in front of the shift committee, uh, it's the gospel. Now, my particular uh, take on this whole thing is there, there was a group that wanted him back in office, but that there was absolutely no proof that he had anything to do with it. Uh, though certainly he probably wouldn't have turned it down if it had been offered to him. The, uh, you know, January 6th has been uh, an important date in history for a number of reasons. The um, 1066, for example, following the death of Edward the Confessor on uh, January 5th, the Witan meets to confirm Harold uh, Goodmanson as the new King of England. Then Harold was crowned the same day, sparking a succession crisis that eventually led to the Norman conquest of England, where my ancestor, William the Conqueror, came in and uh, basically took over. 1205, Philip of Swabia undergoes a second coronation as King of the Romans. Okay. The... uh, 1355, Charles IV of Bohemia is crowned with the Iron Crown of Lombardy as King of Italy. This took place in Milan. Um, 1449, Constantine XI is crowned the Byzantine Emperor at Mestris. 1540, King Henry VIII of England marries Anne of Cleves, one of his numerous wives. The... um, 1661, the English Restoration. The Fifth Monarchist unsuccessfully attempt to seize control of London. Revolt was suppressed after a few days. The uh, 1721, the Committee of Inquiry on the South Sea uh, Bubble published its findings, revealing details of fraud among company directors and corrupt politicians. The um, 1781, Battle of Jersey. British defeat the last attempt by France to invade Jersey and the Channel Islands. The uh, 1893, the Washington National Cathedral was chartered by Congress. President Benjamin Harrison signed the order. The uh, 1900, in the Second Boer War, Normandy besieged the fortress at Ladysmith. Boer forces attack it, but are driven back by British defenders. 1907, Maria Montessori opened her first school and daycare center for working-class children in Rome. 1912, New Mexico is admitted to the Union as the 47th U.S. state. The, uh, also on the same date, German geophysicist Alfred Wegener first presented his theory of continental drift. The... Uh, 1929, King Alexander of the Serbs, Croats, and Slovenes suspends his country's constitution. This was the so-called January 6th dictatorship. 1929, Mother Teresa arrives by sea in Calcutta, India to begin her work among India's poorest and sick people. The uh, 1930, a day that would live in automobile history. Classy Cummins arrives in a National Automobile Show in New York City. 
drove a car powered by one of his diesel engines all the way from Indianapolis. The uh, 1946 saw the first general election ever held in Vietnam. 1947, Pan American Airlines becomes the first commercial airline to offer a round-the-world ticket. 1950, the UK recognized the People's Republic of China. And the Republic of China severed diplomatic relations with the UK in response. 1951, the Korean War, beginning of the Gangwon Massacre, in the course of which an estimated 200 to 1,300 South Korean Communist sympathizers are slaughtered. 1960, National Airlines Flight 2511 is destroyed mid-air by a bomb while en route from New York City to Miami. 1960, the Association Law comes into force in Iraq, allowing registration of political parties. 1967, during the Vietnam War, U.S. Marines and Arvin uh, troops launched Operation Deckhouse 5 in the Mekong River Delta. You know, had the politicians stayed out of it and allowed the, the military leaders to plan and operate everything that took place in regard to that war, it would have had a totally different outcome. When you got folks who most they ever led was maybe some games in elementary school trying to decide who's going to attack who, when, where, and why, you wind up with what you might expect in the way of a result. 1995, a chemical fire in an apartment complex in Manila leads to discovery of plans for Project Bohinka, a mass terrorist attack. And then in the major Olympic scandal, 1994, figure skater Nancy Kerrigan is attacked and injured by an assailant hired by her rival, Tanya Harding's ex-husband during the U.S. Figure Skating Championship. 2000, the last natural Pyrenean ibex, whose name was Celia, is killed by a falling tree, which resulted in the species becoming extinct. 2005, Edgar Ray Killen is indicted for the 1964 murders of Cheney, Goodwin, and Swerner during the Civil Rights Movement. 2005, a train collision in Graniteville, South Carolina released about 60 tons of chlorine gas. 2012, 26 people were killed and 63 wounded when a suicide bomber blows himself up at a police station in Damascus. I don't understand the logic behind a suicide bomber. Twenty nineteen, Mohammed V of Kalantan resigns as the Yang Di Pertuan Agong of Malaysia, becoming the first monarch to do so. And then of course, the big thing in January sixth, twenty twenty one was the uh, the so called uh, insurrection. Now, what's interesting 
it's come out in the release of the uh, Twitter files that Schiff worked with Twitter to censor anyone that uh, didn't follow the party line about Trump being evil and needs to be banned from public office. Well, we have... Um, the last several shows, we've been talking about uh, vampires, werewolves, and things that go bump at night. And there are many things that work in the night. We also have, um, before we move on to other topics. No discussion of werewolves will be complete without a reference to Nazi Germany. They twice used werewolf as the uh, name for various operations. In 1942, it was the code name for one of Hitler's headquarters. It uh, was the Wehrmacht headquarters. The war's final days, the name of Operation Werewolf, aimed at creating a commando force that would operate behind enemy lines as the Allies advanced through Germany. It's, um, there were two fictionalized depictions of Operation Werewolf. The television series True Blood and the 2012 novel Wolf Hunter mixed the two meanings of werewolf by depicting the 45 diehard Nazi commandos as being actual werewolves. You know, the, uh, in the same genre as vampires and werewolves, we have the zombie. And though it doesn't have the long duration of belief that vampires and werewolves have, certainly a major player in the world of the shadows is believed to be the ubiquitous zombie. English word zombies, first used in the 1938 short story, The Unknown Painter, is a zombie. Spelled Z-O-M-B-I. The uh, additional E wasn't added until the 1960s. Today, stories of zombies can be found among the, around the world. But it was in mysterious Haiti that the creature was said to first appear. Now, zombies featured widely in Haitian rural folklore as dead people physically revived by the Active necromancy by the Bokor, a sorcerer, which were like figure to be distinguished from the Hugon priest and Mambo priestesses of the former Voodoo religion. Zombies remain under the control of the Bokor as their personal slaves, since they don't really have any will of their own. They're kind of like members of a political party. They do what they're told. Also exists within the Haitian tradition a corporeal type of zombie, the zombie astral, which is a part of the human soul that's captured by a bokor and used to enhance the bokor's own spiritual power. Bokors produce and sell specially doctored uh, bottles to clients with a what's said to be a zombie astral inside. It's for the purpose of luck, healing, or business success. And it's believed that after a time, God will take the soul back and so the zombies are in this particular instance, as a temporary spiritual entity. It's been suggested that the two types of zombies reflect soul dualism and a belief of, of um, Haitian voodoo. 
each type of legendary zombies, therefore missing one half of the soul, either the flesh or the spirit. Zombie belief has its roots and traditions throughout uh, brought to Haiti by enslaved Africans and their subsequent experiences in the New World. It was thought that the voodoo deity, uh, Baron Samedi, would gather them from their grave to bring them into a heavenly afterlife in Africa, unless it offended him in some way, in which case they'd be forever a slave after death as a what we think of as a zombie. The zombie could also be saved by feeding them salt. A number of scholars have pointed out the significance of the zombie figure as a metaphor for the history of slavery in Haiti. And while most scholars have associated the Haitian zombie with African cultures, the connection has also been suggested to the island's indigenous uh, Taino people, partly based on an early account of native shamanist practices written by the uh, Iranamite monk Ramon Pagne, a companion to Christopher Columbus. The Haitian zombie phenomenon first attracted widespread international attention during the U.S. occupation of Haiti, which began in 1915 and ran to 1934. During this period, a number of case histories of purported zombies began to emerge. And the first popular book covering the topic was William Seabrook's The Magic Island that was published in 1929. Seabrook cited the Haitian Criminal Code as what he considered the official recognition of zombies. Article 246, which was passed in 1864 and later was used in promotional materials for the 1932 film White Zombie, read in part, also shall be qualified as attempted murder, the employment which may be made by any person of substances which, without causing actual death, produce a lethargic coma more or less prolonged. And if after administering such substances the person has been buried, the act shall be considered murder no matter what result follows. In other words, apparently it was thought that certain substances could be fed to an individual that made his condition mimic death, and quite often they'd be buried and later dug out by the Bokor. Now, researching folklore in Haiti, Zora Neale Hurston encountered the case of a woman who appeared in a village and finally claimed she was Felicia Felix Mentor, a relative who had died and been buried in 1907 at the age of 29. However, the woman had been examined by a doctor who found on x-ray she didn't have the leg fracture that Felix a Mentor was known to have uh, had. Hurston pursued rumors that the affected person was given a powerful psychoactive drug, but she was unable to locate individuals willing to offer much information. Everyone's afraid of the Bokor. As she eventually wrote, what's more, science ever gets to the bottom of voodoo in Haiti and Africa, it'll be found that some important medical secret, still unknown to medical science, give it its power rather than gestures or ceremony. Now, several decades after Hurston's work, Wade Davis, a Harvard ethnobotanist, presented a pharmacological case for zombies in a 1983 paper in the Journal of Ethnopharmacology and later in two popular books, The uh, Serpent and the Rainbow in 1985 and Passage of Darkness, the 
Ethnobiology of Haitian Zombies in 1988. He traveled to Haiti in 82, and as a result of his investigations, claimed that a living person can be turned into a zombie by two special powders being introduced into the bloodstream, usually through a wound of some sort. The first, coup de poudre, um, that's French for powder strike, includes a tetrodotoxin, powerful and frequently uh, fatal neurotoxin found in the flesh of the pufferfish. Second powder consists of a, a dissociative um, drug such as datura. And together, these powders were said to induce a death-like state in which the will of the victim would be entirely subjected to that of the bocor. And Davis also popularized the story of Clervius Narcissa, who was uh, claimed to have succumbed to this practice. The most uh, ethically questioned and least scientifically explored ingredient of the powder is uh, part of a recently buried child's brain. The process described by Davis was a, an initial state of death-like suspended animation followed by reawakening, typically after being buried for some period of time and it awake into a psychotic state. Psychosis induced by the drug and psychological trauma was hypothesized by Davis to reinforce culturally learned beliefs and to cause the individual to reconstruct their identity as that of a zombie. Since they knew they were dead and had no other role in, to play in the Haitian society, so tight, so, so tight, but one more time, societal reinforcement of the belief was hypothesized by Davis to Confirm for the zombie individual the zombie state and such individuals are known to hang around graveyards exhibiting attitudes of low effect. Davis's claim has been criticized, of course, particularly the suggestion that Haitian witch doctors can keep zombies in a state of pharmacologically induced trance for many years. In support of his theory, he points to symptoms of TTX poisoning, which range from numbness and nausea to paralysis, particularly of the muscles of the diaphragm, unconsciousness, and death, but don't include a stiffened gait or a death-like trance. According to psychologist uh, Terrence Hines, the scientific community dismisses uh, tetrodotoxin as the cause of the state. Davis's assessment of the nature of the reports of nation zombies is viewed as Overly credulous. Now, if the voodoo solution and the use of drugs don't explain zombies, then there's what's referred to as the social cause. Scottish psychiatrist R.D. Lang uh, highlighted the link between social and cultural expectations and compulsion in the context of schizophrenia and other mental illnesses, suggesting that uh, Schizogenesis may account for some of the psychological aspects of zombification. Particularly, this suggests cases where schizophrenia manifests the state of catatonia. Roland Littlewood, professor of anthropology and psychiatry, published a study supporting a social explanation of the zombie phenomenon in the Medical Journal of the Lancet in 1997. The social explanation sees um, observed cases of people identified as zombies as a culture-bound syndrome with a particular cultural form of adoption uh, practiced in uh, Haiti that unites the homeless and mentally ill with grieving families who see them as their 
returned lost loved ones. Littlewood summarized his findings in an article in Times Higher Education. He said, I came to the conclusion that uh, although it's unlikely there's a single explanation for all cases where zombies are recognized by locals in Haiti, the mistaken identification of a wandering mentally ill stranger by bereaved relatives is the most likely explanation in many cases. People with a chronic schizophrenic illness, brain damage, or learning disability are not uncommon in rural Haiti. They'd be particularly likely to be identified as zombies. In other words, um, the need to have the dead relative back could account for the identification of a, a mentally ill or homeless person as the dead relative, whether they are or not. The central West African origin of the Haitian zombie has been postulated based on two etymologies in the, the Congo language. The zombie, or god, and zumbi, fetish. This root helps form the names of several deities, including the Congo creator deity Nazimbi, a Mapungu, and the Louisiana serpent deity, the Grand Zombie. That's a local version of the Haitian Dambala. But it's in fact a generic word for divine spirit. The common African conception of beings under these names is more similar to the incorporeal uh, zombie astral as in the, the Congo Nakisi spirits. They're related, but also uh, often incorporated undead being is the Jambi of the English-speaking Caribbean, considered to be of the same uh, etymology in the French West Indies also. Local zombies are recognized, but these are, more, are of a more general spirit nature. The idea of physical zombie-like creatures is present in some South African cultures where they're called Udazani uh, in the Sohotonga and Maduxwain in Vinda. Some communities, it's believed that a dead person can be zombified by a small child. It's said that a spell can be broken by powerful enough uh, sangoma. It's also believed in some areas of South Africa that witches can zombify a person by killing and possessing the victim's body in order to force it into a slave labor. After rail lines were built to transport migrant workers, stories emerged about witch trains. These trains appeared ordinary but were staffed by zombified workers controlled by a witch. The trains would abduct a person boarding at night and the person would either be turned into a zombified worker or beaten and thrown from the train to some distance away from the original location, which uh, is, of course, a fascinating concept. When you step onto a train, you're basically at the mercy of whoever's running the train. Well, from zombies, let's turn to uh, something that I've had a number of folks ask me about, and that's shadow people. Now, a shadow person, also known as a shadow figure, shadow being, or black mass as an alleged paranormal entity. Though many have reported seeing them, it's believed by skeptics to be a type of hallucination where the subject perceives a patch of shadow in their peripheral vision as being a living humanoid figure. However, paranormal researcher Heidi Hollis has expressed a belief that shadow people are malevolent supernatural entities. They really have their own existence. Now, a number of Religions, legends, and belief systems describe shadowy spiritual beings or supernatural entities as 
shades of the underworld, and various shadowy creatures have long been a staple of folklore and ghost stories. Several psychological and physiological conditions can account for reported experiences of shadow people. These include sleep paralysis, illusions or hallucinations brought on by psychological or physiological circumstances, drug use or side effects of some medications, and the interaction of external agents on the human body. Another reason that could be behind the illusion is sleep deprivation, which may lead to hallucinations. I've talked to a number of people who have, um, what they described could very easily fall into this category. The old hag syndrome, which is another name some folks associate with uh, sleep paralysis, um, where you wake up, but you're paralyzed, and this old woman comes in and has her way with you. Heidi Hollis's appearances on Coast to Coast AM late night talk show helped popularize modern beliefs in shadow people. She described them as dark silhouettes with human shapes and profiles that flicker in and out of peripheral vision and claimed that people had reported the figures attempting to jump on their chest and choke them. She, like many others, believed they can be repelled by evoking the name of Jesus. There's many instances where I've been told that uh, when faced with something like that, invoking the name of Jesus or beginning to pray uh, has resulted in the, the creature going away. Although participants in online discussion forums devoted to paranormal and supernatural topics um, describe shadow people as menacing, others be believers and uh, paranormal authors don't agree that uh, they're either evil, helpful, or neutral. And some even speculate shadow people may be the extra-dimensional inhabitants of another universe. Some paranormal investigators and authors such as Chad Stambaugh claim to have recorded images of shadow people on video. You know, while many profess to never have heard of these creatures, they, they've appeared in many works, both written and on film. Shadow people, described as shadow men, featured prominently in the 2007 novel John Dies at the End, 2013 movie Shadow People depicts a sleep study conducted during the 70s which patients report seeing shadow intruders before dying in their sleep. The movie follows a radio host and CDC investigator who researches the story. And the claim is, the story is claimed to be based on true events. Uh, the popular fantasy series A Song of Ice and Fire and the TV adaptation the Game of Thrones features a magical ability called shadow binding in which some part of the essence of a man's soul is trapped in a woman's womb through a sexual ritual. This essence uh, coalesces into a shadow baby or a shadow demon which is then birthed. It possesses magical abilities that allow it to slide through tight spaces, travel at high speed, and cut through um, solid steel. The uh, you know, tales of walking shadows come from across the globe. Some of these shadow people wander through the periphery of our lives. Others stay for years. People can rarely make out features of these darker-than-night human-shaped entities other than an occasional set of blazing red eyes. 
shadow people often appear dressed as a medieval monk, wearing a fedora, or bald and sexless. These entities, uh, they simply trek through our bedrooms at night, never to be seen again. Others lurk in doorways, just watching day after day. Others attack with energy-draining fear. I had um, one individual tell me that um, his father, himself, and his children all had contact with a shadow person that lived in a, a shed in the uh, backyard at a parent's home. And all three generations described it the same. Now, I've studied the shadow people phenomena for over 20 years and come to the conclusion the term shadow people is actually a catch-all for entities that exhibit certain characteristics. But their origins can be widely different. Through research and personal experience, I've categorized these people in and, 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 uh, several different um, categories. The first one is the benign shadows. These shadow people seem to travel briefly through a person's life. Um, they appear to walk with purpose. They never acknowledge uh, any humans they come in contact with, never stray from their path. The negative shadows, although these shadow people tend to simply lurk, they're associated with a feeling of unnatural terror. Then there are the red-eyed shadows. They're always negative, but stare at experiences with blazing red eyes. Victims often say they feel this creature feeds from their fear. Then there are the hooded shadows. Dressed as an ancient monk, people who encounter these shadow people feel a deep rage bubbling behind that dark, Cowl. Then the hat man. Now, this entity is the most curious, dressed in a fedora and sometimes appearing to wear an old-time business suit. The hat man appears to people in cultures across the planet. Now, shadow people may be demonic entities, ghosts, interdimensional travelers, or other denizens of the dark realm we call the unknown. But regardless of their label, Shadow people could very well be more than just one type of being. Brad Steiger, author of Shadow World, has studied the paranormal for more than 50 years and agrees that uh, there are many possible explanations for shadow people. He made the comment, I'd say the experiences are all, or seeing all of the, the above and giving it uh, them or it the name shadow people. Whatever they are, they're shocking to those that see them. A gray sheet of clouds stretched across the sky. Twelve-year-old and twelve-year-old Doug ran to the corner store. This was a story that I was given um, a number of years ago. He said it was overcast but not raining in, in the middle of the afternoon. The day was shadowless, and decades later, he still doesn't know what he saw on his way home from that uh, from the store. His arms filled with food. First, he thought it was a friend. He said, as I approached the corner to turn onto my street, I saw something black sticking behind the bushes in front of my house. He said, I yelled out Andre and started running toward my driveway where the bushes are. But this dark figure wasn't his friend, Andre. A black man-shaped shadow grew from behind the bushes and on this afternoon began running toward Doug's house. He said, after a few steps, I saw the shadow running down my driveway toward the backyard. 
He said, I ran up the driveway to the gate that leads to my backyard, and I just simply couldn't believe my eyes. He said he stood at the gate as the black shadow in the shape of a man ran across his yard and disappeared through a fence. He said, I was shocked. I couldn't stop thinking about it. What was it? Why was it black when most stereotypical stories said that ghosts were white? Was it somehow demonic? Could it be like him, just a person? Well, in looking at a story like this, the main question is, what did he see? Was it a ghost? Was it a demon? Was it a dimensional traveler? Or was it all in his mind? We never got an answer to that. Uh, Lou Purdy said, I've been visited by what I presume to be the same shadow three times in my life, and the memories have haunted me ever since. He said, when I was six, I saw it in my dad's new house, towering over my father, my bed. I couldn't move, and I don't remember what happened next. I don't remember trying to scream, but there was this horrible weight on my chest. And most of the shadow people uh, encounters that have been collected over the years are equally explainable. The experiencer wakes to find a black human figure standing in the doorway of their bedroom or leaning over their bed just watching them. A tightness grips their chest like the weight of a person being on top of them. They can't breathe, and suddenly the, the choking eases and the shadow being is gone. This type of encounter is common, and psychology has a name for it. It's called sleep paralysis. April Habrian, a psychology professor at Northwest Missouri State University, said most shadow people encounters are probably the product of dreams. People sleep and enter the REM phase. It's very common for them to see things, she said. The fear, the paralysis, and the entities are all perfectly normal. There are hormones in REM sleep that paralyze the major muscle groups. That's called a paradoxical sleep. And although this happens during REM, these people don't stay asleep and the hormones are still in their body. They can last up to eight minutes and they feel pressure on their chest and they can see people and things. The experience becomes fully awake, the shadow person encounters over. All that's left it is the fear of the shadow people encounters as well as those of ghosts and UFOs and Bigfoots for that matter can be attributed to this same trick of light and shadow that allows us to see faces and clouds and carpets. Sightings can also be from electrical stimulation of certain parts of the brain or even drugs. Chemist uh, Rick Toomey said anything that throws off the chemical balance of the brain causes all sorts of issues. All sensations in the nervous system, he said, and it's all chemistry. If every neurotransmitter is chemistry, you can wreak havoc with that. However, many encounters uh, shadow people in full consciousness and full daylight, which removes the logical scientific answers and leaves something terrible in its place. You know, the religious world is um, full of stories of encounters such as this. An individual named Paul Saros said his best friend when he was a boy was lying on his bed with the lights on. A shadow figure emerged from his closet and moved toward his bedside. Shadow being reached out a finger and touched his friend's leg. And he screamed and the figure vanished and 
course, his family was there in moments. His friend's father noticed the closet door was open, and his parents knew he never slept with, uh, unless it was closed. The black spot on his leg remained visible for a number of years, but the shadow being never returned. To this day, his, his friend has no idea what happened, but he does know one thing. It was real. It was not an illusion. And although most reported shadow people encounters involve an entity simply appearing and disappearing, many aren't that innocent. Negative shadows, red-eyed shadows, and hooded shadows all bring a feeling of terror when they step into somebody's life. Creatures are known by different names, demons, jinn, dark shadows, but their nature is pretty much the same. Bishop James Long, pastor of St. Christopher Old Catholic Church in Louisville, Kentucky, has studied demonology for years and knows shadow people well, he says. To him, there's something evil. He said they have to be taken seriously and they can be quite dangerous. When a human spirit tries to manifest itself, its form is black or otherwise known as shadow. It's energy trying to manifest itself so it can appear to have the physical characteristics it had while living on earth. And these entities can move, communicate, and attack, draw energy from their human victims. He said certainly shadows of attack are demonic in nature and should be avoided at all times. He said, I'd strongly encourage anybody who witnesses a dark shadow to be careful. Cody Lilly's family has encountered this type of shadow for years, a black human-shaped figure, featureless except for a wide brim hat. Lilly said we call him the cowboy because he kind of looked like the Marlboro Man. And the cowboy stepped into Lilly's life his sophomore year of high school in Florinda, Iowa, and visited almost nightly for two years pacing his, about his room, waiting for something. He said the entity with fiery red eyes never spoke, never approached him. But Lily knew it was there, and it was hungry. He said it was feeding. He said the cowboy was absorbing energy from his fear. First time he saw it, he said, I was completely incapacitated by how scared I was of it. Lily uh, soon went to college, 30 miles south, and the visit stopped till after graduation 2011 when he moved to Nebraska. He said, my girlfriend that's now my fiancé is in Kansas City, and I'm in Omaha. And I was crashing with some friends, and my car started acting up, and process of looking for a job, finding an apartment, buying an engagement ring. He said, I had a lot of stuff on my plate, which might have brought on what happened. But the end result of all this was the cowboy. He said, I'm sitting in my car on the phone with my mom, and I don't know much about cars, but his mother did. He said he described the car's behavior to his mother, and he noticed movement in the corner of his right eye. He said he turned toward the passenger side and saw it, the shallow man that had once tormented him at night. He said it was full on, a shallow person in an old fedora. It was standing there leaning over like he was bending in to look at him. They said he stared in horror at this red-eyed shadow man in full daylight. He said the cowboy reached out its arm and knocked on the car window and knocked twice. After it knocked, it dissolved in my vision. It just 
showed up, knocked on my window, and vanished. He wonders if the cowboy wanted to let him know it was still around. He said it's been quite some time since he saw it, just kind of thinking he just showed up. He was feeling stressed out, and I think he showed up just to feed on that. You know, in Islam, the supernatural jinn can be a companion or a dark, shadowy predator. Jinns are invisible entities believed in by most all Muslims and Middle Eastern folklore. According to religious, religious expert Dashti Namasti, jinns get in and out of human spheres regularly, and it's believed that any human is able to make contact with a jinn. And although they can be benevolent, some are wicked, appearing as dark figures that lurk in ruins and cemeteries, waiting on an unsuspecting human soul to stumble by. The wicked jinn, much like the demons of Christianity, are deceivers, and they present themselves as a ghost of a loved one to insert themselves into somebody's life. Wadi, a Cherokee, said the nature of uh, shadow beings in the American Indian tradition are just as dark. He said they're humanoid-shaped, but not proportionate to a normal person. Their appearance is more monstrous in nature. These shadow beings are the product of medicine men that have strayed from the path of healing. There seem to be a classification of spiritual beings that are shadows for the most part. These things can be manipulated by bad medicine or bad magic. They either take that form to attack other people or they use some other spiritual being as a spiritual attack. In a Cherokee language, these dark medicine people are Sigedli or witch. They're still alive to some degree, but they're not necessarily considered human. They're in that nether world. Then we we have the ghost. Kim Tamser summed up the experience. Said they added a young boy shadow spirit in their house. He appeared as a solid black cutout-like figure like a prankster, but he's not mean or evil. He's just mischievous. Let's just know he's there at times by playing with the animals, kittens, dogs, puppies. He's not mean. The dogs and puppies are wagging their tails, and he moves uh, her Barbies if he really wants her attention. And the other day, he didn't want the door to, to his room closed, so he opened it. As much the same motivation as a young boy would. You know, a family sees a black figure come down the stairs at the same time of night, turn into the kitchen and disappear. Dark man in another date suit walks through a child's bedroom and down the hallway. Some shadow people encounters, benign ones like that, could very well be disembodied spirits that wander the earth. D. H. Parsons, president of the Bliss Parsons Institute of Metaphysics in Columbia, Missouri has encountered many shadow people on investigating hauntings. Now, although many fellow investigators consider shadow people demonic, Parsons doesn't necessarily agree. Like everything else that doesn't have a definitive answer, um, many different opinions exist. He said, my feeling is that a Shadow person is another representation of a residual memory of a person that had such a strong personality in life that a bit of their energy remained here in this dimension after their spirit crossed over. 
He said most of the time the spirit beings are either friendly to us or confused by us or curious as to why we're there. But they've never done any harm, not even the shadows. Well, 18-year-old David Stanfield had a different opinion. He didn't expect something to be waiting for him in his room when he woke up. But something was, something dark. A strange feeling pulled him from a deep sleep. And as he laid in his gray room, staring at his bedroom wall, he saw it. He said, I woke up for no reason, had no weird dreams. I wasn't groggy, I half asleep. The room was dark, other than some stray beams coming in through the blinds. But he said, I could see a man, darker than the night like a void. The figure stood at the end of the bed. He said, I could only make out the shadow, his head and shoulders. The rest of them just went straight to the floor. He said, there were no legs, no feet, no red eyes, no facial features whatsoever. Terrified, Stanfield said he slid low in the bed, pulling the cover slowly over his face, watching the black man-shaped figure standing over him until his blankets hid the horror from his view and he went back to sleep. Stanfield's now 29. No, he doesn't know what his shadow being was. He knows what he saw, and it still haunts him. He said, only in the past couple of years have I been able to find anything on the subject matter. It's almost like revictimization when reading stories from other people that describe experiences like his. He said, I never knew it could be so widespread, and I'm still dealing with the shock. But as with Parsons' encounters, this being didn't harm Stanfield, at least not physically. You know, most shadow people encounters are benign, dark figures lingering in the corners of your life, watching. And could these entities simply be watching us from a realm barely removed from our own? Marie Jones, author of books exploring science and the paranormal, thinks other dimensions could be homes of shadow people. He said, in, she said, in my research into quantum and theoretical physics, I came across concepts that uh, really opened up the possibilities to me that entities from somewhere else could be coming here. One of these concepts is wrapped around different dimensions. Theoretically, if these indefinite other universes exist, we really shouldn't be physically be able to access them. But even theoretical physicists entertain the thought that maybe the laws of physics on the other side allow for some crossover. Clark Kent's grandfather died in 1977, and his grandmother moved into a small apartment, leaving her old house empty. Shortly after that, 10-year-old Kent's family moved in it. He said, my best friend in the new neighborhood was my next-door neighbor, Jim. On a day in 1979, Kent invited Jim to his house to play ping-pong, and that game has haunted him ever since. That day after school, Kent and Jim had about two hours before Kent's parents came home from work, which meant ping-pong in the basement between peaks at the Forbidden Stash of Playboys in a dusty alcove was their amusement. And it was there Kent saw something he didn't expect. During our game, I was facing the alcove, and at a certain point, something caught my attention. And standing in that alcove was the shadow of a man wearing a fedora. It was creepy, he said. I had, I had to pause. I couldn't figure out how any combination of the boxes could cast such a shadow. And then the fedora man moved. Kent stood at the ping-pong table, staring at the dark figure watching from the alcove. And then he looked at Jim, who was looking at him. Jim realized Kent had seen something, and 
Kent was struck by the realization that no man was casting a shadow on the wall. The shadow was solid and wouldn't attach to any object. He said, I turned and scrambled up the stairs with Jim right behind me. At the top of the stairs, their breath coming fast and heavy, Kent slammed and latched the basement door and looked at his friend with wide eyes. Dim, Jim denied seeing the shadow man that day and for nearly 30 years after that. The two met for a long-needed reunion. Kent mentioned the shadow man in his basement. At that point, Jim sank into his chair and spoke in a whisper. He said, I'll never forget that hat. Then he asked the same question he'd asked 30 years ago. Did you really see it? And Jim said, yes, I did. But did this entity, this watcher, step into Kent's life from a parallel universe? Although some physicists entertain the idea of these multiple universes, physicist uh, David Richardson didn't eager to join him. He said, I hate to bring up this up in this context, but if there are other extra dimensions, shadow people might actually be people. And he said, I'm skeptical of that, but it is possible. We're just starting to figure out that sort of stuff. So are shadow people ghosts, demons, jinns, say lead, travelers? Regardless of the nature of these entities, regardless of their intentions, The advice for each encounter is the same. Proceed with caution. Our next topic, and we only have a few minutes left in today's show, is about something that a lot of folks have told me they've had experience with, and that is Bigfoot or Sasquatch. It's the same, it's the name given to a cryptid ape or hominid-like creature that some people believe inhabits forests, mainly in the Pacific Northwest region of North America. Of course, in Tibet, it's the abominable snowman. Usually described as large, hairy, bipedal humanoid, the um, term Sasquatch is the angelicized derivative of the how come of them word, um, that's quite. Most scientists discount the existence of Bigfoot and consider it to be a combination of folklore and misidentification and even hoax rather than a living creature because of the lack of physical evidence and the large numbers of creatures that would be necessary to maintain a breeding population. Scientist Grover Krantz and Jeffrey Meldrum have focused research on the creature for the greater parts of their careers. You know, the Bigfoot's described in reports as a large, hairy, ape-like creature between six foot six and nine point eight nine point eight feet tall, weighing in excess of five hundred pounds, and covered in dark brown or dark reddish hair. Purported witnesses have described large eyes, a pronounced brow ridge, and large, low-set forehead. Top of the head has been described as rounded and crested, similar to the Sagittal crest of the male gorilla. Bigfoot's commonly reported to have a strong, unpleasant smell by those who claim to have encountered it. Enormous footprints for which it's named have been as large as 24 inches long and 8 inches wide. And that's a foot, let me tell you. 
While most casts have five toes, like all known apes, some casts of alleged Bigfoot tracks have had uh, numbers ranging from two to six. And some have even contained claw marks, making it likely that a portion came from known animals such as bears, which have five toes and claws. Proponents claim that the, the Bigfoot's omnivorous and mainly nocturnal. Well, the, the topic of the Bigfoot has been around for many, many years. Native Americans uh, said legends among the, the women of the tribe uh, referred to the Bigfoot as a, a wonderful lover. Um, and there have been a number of cases that I've read of, of um, hunters, primarily, who have been kidnapped and taken to join family groups where there are unmated female um, members of, of the tribe. Well, on this note, we've come to the end of today's show. We're going to talk more in our next show about um, Bigfoot or Sasquatch, whatever you want to call it. But until then, this is Ken Hudnall for the Ken Hudnall Show saying have a truly great day.